Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this series, and I'm excited about the second lesson. Let's just open up by looking at our main text for the series, and it's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, and that you're not your own? So you can see he's asking them a question, and he's saying, guys, haven't you figured this out yet? So think about the grandeur of this. Uh, think about how big this is. The Holy Spirit's omnipresent. He's everywhere. And so even if you haven't accepted Christ, even if you don't belong, believe in God, he's everywhere. He's leading you to Christ. He's softening you. But when you accept Christ, God makes you holy and blameless and without a fault. And he literally comes. God literally lives inside of you. That is absolutely amazing. And then I like how he ends verse 19. You are not your own. You were bought. You were purchased at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And this is an amazing statement. Jesus purchased us with his sinless holy blood. And when you accepted him, you were purchased by God. He delivered you up out of the enemy's kingdom. And he brought you into his kingdom. And last week, we talked about how our bodies aren't our own. We had a lot of fun. This week, I just want to talk about this truth, how our very lives are not our own. Not just our body, but our lives And guys, there's something that happens in God that cannot happen anywhere else. There's something that God's given you that nobody else can give you. You won't find it anywhere else. And it's this substance. Everybody's looking for it. And if you haven't found it, you have a hole right here. And you're just like, where do I find it? And people try everything to try to fill that hole. And you just won't fill it, right? And you know what that thing is? It's called purpose. And do you know that God created every person on planet Earth with a purpose? And you have a purpose, I have a purpose. There's a God purpose in every single one of our lives, and that is a big deal. And I like how the Bible describes the definition of purpose. It goes like this. Purpose is defined as the reason for which something is created or exists. And I just want you to think about that. The very reason you exist is your purpose. And that's amazing. And guys, so many of you do amazing things for your day job. You do amazing things. Uh, I think of our police officers. I think of our fire people. I think of nurses. I think of doctors. I think of teachers. I just think of all of you. You're all, you're all contributing to society in one way or another, right? And some are just doing things that are really important, helping people that are sick or whatever, right? Protecting people, rescuing people from fires. I mean, think about that, giving their lives to help us. Uh, but guys... None of those things, as important as they are, uh, will, will, will fill that purpose gap. You, you may fill the natural purpose, what you're to do as a, as a citizen of earth, but God also gave you a spiritual purpose, and I think that's why this is true. Take a look at this. 70% of the working people in the U.S. are unhappy with their jobs, and why are they unhappy? They, they feel unfulfilled. This is a Gallup, recent Gallup poll. And I think that's fascinating. And some of the ones that are happy, uh, some people really enjoy their jobs. Most people, they just work because they have to feed themselves, right? They have to take care of things. And that's not wrong. But our fulfillment is meant to come from what we do in God's kingdom, what we do for God. And I have two examples. I picked two really famous people in our country. Uh, they're, They're both gone. They're both in heaven, by the way. But it's interesting, the contrast between these two people. And uh, I pick these two people because I have what I call the inside scoop on them. I don't have that on everybody, but I had inside scoop on these two. And uh, it's amazing. And it so fascinates me that I, I just want to share it. I, I want you to see it. 
And the first one is Elvis. So here's Elvis Presley guy. He's, he's been in heaven a while. And, and uh, uh, Elvis knew Christ. It just came out with a new movie about Elvis. And uh, I didn't watch it. I saw the trailer because I, I was an Elvis groupie. Don't tell people I am now because I'm not now, but I was an Elvis groupie and, when I was little. And I shouldn't have been because he was a generation ahead of me, but I don't know. I just liked his music and all that. Uh, but, but uh, you know, I saw, I saw the trailer and they kind of make the religious things look a little demonic, so I haven't watched it. If you watched it and you say, hey, it's good, let me know. But I just wanted to see what can I learn about Elvis, right, uh, that I don't already know. But I want you to just see his fame. His fame is amazing, right? Uh, here, here's what he did. Elvis had 74 albums and 102 singles. This is before Spotify, right? This is before streaming. This is before cassette tapes. The, guys, this is records, right? And he had 74 albums, right? And then 102 singles. In order to have a single, that was a small record with the big hole. You had to have an adapter. Never figured out why you had to have an adapter. They just, somebody that owned the, wanted to build the adapters just wanted money because they could have made the, the hole small and it would have worked just like the big one, right? I don't know how that happened. I have a problem with that, but it's all over. It's said and done. But in order to have 102 singles, guys, in order to have 102, that means they got tons of plays on the radio. So that, that's, that's amazing, 102. And he had 31 number one hits over a 20-year period. So look at his longevity. That's famous. And not only that, he had 31 movies. And uh, you haven't lived till you saw an Elvis movie, let me tell you, man. When we were kids, this is before cable. This is with, with the antennas, right? And we had a sophisticated tenor, antenna. My dad built one that rotated, so we could pick up a couple stations in Pittsburgh, and if we rotated it, we could get the Youngstown stations. But you had to watch at the moment. You couldn't record. There was no recording devices made. And on Sunday afternoons, when I was a little boy, uh, they had Elvis movies. And my brothers and I, we got around that TV, and we watched those Elvis movies. And you had to be there the whole time, or you'd miss it, right? You had to be there and stay there. But guys... I just love this guy. I don't know why, but I followed him, and I used to think, wow, look at the fame this guy has. What a life he must have. And I want you to think about it. Do you know what came with all that fame? Tons of money. And this guy was super wealthy, super fame. He'd be at a concert playing, and all these girls would be in the front. Elvis, Elvis. Some of them would faint. Oh, I'm right in front of Elvis, you know? And I was like, what's going on? I'm just a guy, right? And, and so, uh, and I, I, have, I have experienced slight fame. I call it regional fame. Uh, I'm on TV. So every, everywhere I go, guys, every store, at least two people will stop me no matter what, no matter where I'm at, and, and usually a couple more. And some of them say, can I have your autograph? Some say, can I take a picture with you? I'm like, do you know who I am? I'm, I'm, I am not a big deal. But here's why I tell, this is why I'm saying it to you. I walk out of that store and I never feel like, ah, I feel fulfilled. Ah, I just feel so good. No, no, no. It does nothing. It, and, and so you would think Elvis would just feel like, oh, man, I got all this money. I've got all this fame. You, you think, I'd like to be like Elvis. He had, what a life he had to live. And no, when he died, his wife, Priscilla, she wrote this concerning Elvis. I think it's amazing. Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. Can you imagine that? <laughs> he, he thought he was here for a different reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, or maybe to save and care for people. He's just like, I'm doing all this, but it's, it's not what I was created for. Thank God, you know, God doesn't care if someone's famous, but he, it just doesn't scratch the purpose itch, right? And then it says this, that agonizing desire has uh, was always with him, and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it, so he'd go on stage so he wouldn't have to think about it. He'd say to me, I know I'm here for something else, and I just think, if that guy 
didn't find his purpose as successful as he was, as wealthy as he was. None of us are going to find it in this world. Not that we won't have jobs we enjoy. Not that God doesn't want to bless your business and bless everything you do. But there's, there has to come a time in our life where we say, what's my God purpose? It's an amazing thing. So there's another guy, equally as famous, um, but, but not an entertainer, but quite a guy. His name was John D. Rockefeller. You see his picture. And you can tell that's an old picture. Uh, but guys... Look at, look at what he accomplished. John D. Rockefeller owned the Standard Oil Company. It was so big, the government broke it up into all these members, Ohio and all these other companies they broke it up into. Uh, his net worth was, uh, would be not $292 billion today. So he's the wealthiest man that ever walked on planet Earth. There's some guys getting close today, but he's the wealthiest guy that ever walked on planet Earth. We could say Solomon, but I like to say concerning Solomon, he cheated. And here's how he cheated, guys. He was the king of a kingdom, and he collected taxes. So that's kind of not fair, right? Um, but, but I'm telling you what, this guy was super wealthy. And so what's interesting about him is you'll never read anybody saying, his wife, anyone, he wasn't content. He just felt he was brought here for another purpose. But he didn't find his purpose in his super wealth. Think about it. Can you imagine being that wealthy? Uh, I mean, he can buy and sell some of the wealthiest people alive today. And, and, and he could have had a yacht. He could have did anything he wanted. Think about that level of wealth. But take a look at how he lived his life. He connected. They were both Christians, and they both accepted Christ. But listen to him. John attended prayer meetings twice a week and led a Bible study as a member of his local church in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where Standard Oil was based, and that's where he, where he had his headquarters. And he had this church, not a big church in Cleveland, and he went to prayer meetings Wealthiest guy on the planet, twice a week. And some of us feel called to prayer, you know? So, so some of us come here to believers. We have Saturday morning prayer. We have afternoon prayers. And, and I see all these people coming. It's absolutely amazing. They just know that I'm called to pray. He, he was called to pray. But think about how wealthy he was. He could have said, you know what? I'm just going to give my pastor 300000 a year and tell him to hire some prayer warriors. And just say, Pastor, just hire people to pray all day long. That's their job. Here's 300000 every year to pay their salaries, right? You know, hire 10 of them, hire 20 of them. And, and he could have walked away. But you know what? He said, you know what? God created me. And one of the things he created me to do is pray. He could have said, the word of God's important, and people need to hear the word of God. And he could have said, here, Pastor, here's another 500000 Hire a bunch of teachers to do connect groups for the word of God. But he said, no, man, he said, I have to. I have to do it. I have to use my gift. And he figured out what his gift is, and he did it. And that blows my mind. And again, you'll never hear anybody say John was on his deathbed saying, I wish, I don't know what I was created for. No, he knew, and he just got involved. And guys, every one of you were created by God to do something amazing in God's kingdom. And you may not think it's amazing. It's amazing because you're doing it in his kingdom. And so I have a big idea. You ready for this lesson? Here it is. Understanding our God-given purpose gives our life purpose. And that's when that gap is filled. You just figure out, what did God create me to do? And I want to take you on a journey. It's a fun journey. Guys, and this first part is so amazing. Here it is. Here's my first point. Our purpose entered the world when we did. Do you realize your purpose entered this world when you did? It came with you. And that's amazing. When you understand it, all of a sudden you feel significant. You'll never say again, I don't feel significant. I don't feel I'm worth anything. That cannot come out of your mouth once you understand this. And here, listen to this phrase. I love this phrase. You're not one in a million. You're one of a kind. 
And that's important. I was thinking, how does that apply to me? There's over a million pastors in the U.S., you know, and, and so many of them are accomplishing way more than I accomplish. You know, bigger churches, more impact. And yet, you know what? I might be, not be able to say I'm one in a million, but you know what I can say? I'm one of a kind. And you're one of a kind. God created me uniquely to do it the way I do it. And I just do it the way I do it. I do it with the gifts he gave me. I do it where he called me to be. God's called me to be here. I love being here. I love being in the valley. The valley is an awesome place to be, right? And I just love what God's called me to do. I'm looking forward to fall. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to fall. I can wear sweaters. I love fall, man. It's awesome. I even like winter till February. I love it till February. Then it's like, come on, God, that's a little long. I would have done it shorter if I were you. But, but, but here we go, here we go, here we go. Do you know what God did? You know what God did? He gave you purpose. And do you know how he did it? You are a spirit. You, you live in a body. You possess a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotion. And, and, your, and your body, you know what that is. But your spirit is the real you. Your spirit, according to the Bible, and according to some people that have out-of-body experience, according to the Bible, your spirit looks just like your body. It has the same face. And when, in, in the Bible, when people see people that come back from the dead in the Bible, they recognize them, they know right away. Oh, that's you. I, I knew. You look the same, right? That's the real you, and you're living inside a body. That's really important to understand. But you know what's equally as important? Mom and dad didn't make your spirit. That's really important. Listen to this text, uh, Zechariah 12.1. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, that's a pretty big God. And notice what else he does. And who forms the human spirit within a person declares. And I wanted you to see this one part. When conception came, God literally made the spirit inside you. Mom and dad just made the body and soul. That's all they made. God made the spirit. And that really takes you and I to another level. Uh, think about that. Um, whether your parents were great or they weren't, whether you were born in great circumstances, bad circumstances, no matter what the color of your skin is, your ethnicity, none of that matters, guys. That's all just the outer shell. But you know what matters is God himself made your spirit. And we're going to find out he did incredible things with your spirit when he made it. But every one of you are significant and of value because you were made by God. And that's important. It, mom and dad that made you, God made your spirit. And that's amazing. I just heard of a pastor, and I'm so amazed by this. Um, this pastor, he has an incredible church on the East Coast, super successful, a big church, campuses, all these things. Guys, he was the result of a rape. And I can't even imagine how his mom, emotionally, how do you carry a child like that? But what I like about this pastor is he didn't come out and say, oh man, I'm the result. I'm an, how can I ever do anything? Think about who I am. Think about how I got here. No, his mama taught him and the word of God taught him and he figured it out. Hey, I don't care where my shell came from. It doesn't matter where your shell come from. It doesn't matter who you are in this world. It doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is God made this guy and God made you. And I think sometimes... God sees our adverse circumstances. He says, you know what? Since their circumstances are so adverse, I'm going to build them a spirit and give them gifts and give them purpose that's going to enable them to just astound people. People are going to say, how did you do that? How do you do that at such a young age? How do you do that at such an old age? How are you doing what you're doing? Do you see where you came from? And you're like, no, that's not where I came from. God made the real me. I am made by God. And when God made me, he gave me a purpose. He gave me a purpose. Woo! And I'm telling you, None of us should ever feel insignificant. How can you feel insignificant? Don't let this world, don't let your own mind, don't let the enemy put thoughts in your head that you are nothing. 
You are something that's incredible. God made you. You are really, really valuable. And notice, when he made you, he did something else. I like this one, too. Uh, this is Isaiah 49.1. God's speaking, and it says, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, so God's speaking through the prophet Isaiah, and here's what he's saying. Before I, Isaiah, was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. So think, before you even come out of the womb, what does God do? He calls you. The word called means that you're, you're called for a purpose. It's all about purpose. God gave you gifts and a plan for you to fulfill. And before you ever came out of the womb, you know why? He made your spirit. He said, oh, this is what I want you to do. This is what I have planned for you. So here's the gifts you need to do it. And he puts them inside of you. And you're still in the womb. And when you come out, baby, you come out with a purpose. And then I like this. When you were still in the womb, he called your name. And maybe you don't like your name, but I'm telling you, God called it. He put it on your parents' hearts. You know, you say, really? <laughs> he put that name on? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he put it on their hearts. And, and listen, when you were in the womb, he spoke your name. He said, I created you. I made you. And I gave you a purpose. And I gave you a plan. And Isaiah had what we might consider really big. I mean, a prophet to the nations, that's pretty big. But guys, God called all of us to do something in his kingdom, man. He, he made his kingdom like an organism. He made us a body, and he's called all of us to do something in the kingdom, and sometimes many things. And this is one I read. I try to read this three times a year. I try to work it in a message three times a year. This next one, it amazes me. Um, we're going to read it in a moment. But this guy, Jeremiah, he was a really young guy, and God appeared to him and said, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. And he just said, no, 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 no. I'm too young. I don't have experience. I'm kind of shy, God. You know how shy I am. It can't be me. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. I called you. I gifted you. And I did it before you were born. And he did it for you. And you and I have to stop using excuses like I can't. And that's not me. If God's putting something on your heart to do in his kingdom, guys, you can do it because God gifted you to do it like he did Jeremiah. So he's trying to give him a pep talk with truth. And he says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, before I shaped you in the womb, that's making your spirit, right? I knew all about you. God knows the beginning all the way to the end. He said, I know about, I gave you your personality. You know, sometimes we don't like our personality. God, I wish you would have gave me a different personality. You know, I'm an introvert. So, uh, you know what? I love the lobbies. I'm, I'm being honest. The most fun part of church is the lobbies after service. I love it. But if you're an introvert, you know what it does to you? It drains your battery. So I go home and I'm like, day. And I stare at ceilings, you know. But I had fun. I had fun. G Gina's an extrovert. So she like comes home like, ah, oh, no. I was with people. I feel so good. I'm like, I enjoyed the people, but my battery's drained, right? And, and we're all in between somewhere there, right? So it says, before I shaped you in the room, I knew all about you. I knew all about you. He said, I made you. I gave you every gift. I gave you every personality. This is the real you, not your body. You say, look, look, I don't look this way. I don't look that. God doesn't care. He says, I want to amaze people with how I use you. It's not about what you look like on the outside. It's about who you are on the inside. And you need to begin to see who you are and what God created you to be. So it goes on to say this, before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. There's purpose. That's the calling. And for him, it was a prophet to the nations. And so he's trying to say, 
It doesn't matter how young you are. Before you were born, I called you to do this, and I equipped you to do this. And that's what God did in each and every one of our lives, guys, and it's amazing. So where does Christ come into this? Well, here's what happens. We're born with this God-made spirit, and we have our purpose and our gifts and our ability. And then we come to the age of accountability, and if we don't meet Christ, guess what happens? Or uh, we die spiritually. We have that separation from God. And oh, no, we'll never fulfill our purpose. But yes, we can, because Jesus died so you can. And when you accept Christ, a miracle happens. God remakes your spirit, and he gives it a little bit buffing up, a little bit better, like a nicer spirit, right? And it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which he predestined. We'll come back and read the rest of that. But let's, let's just talk about this. When you accepted Christ, you know what he did? The call never left. The purpose never left. The gifts never left. He just remade your spirit. And now your spirit is created in his image, but it's still the same you. And and it's remade. It's reborn. And now you have the ability to fulfill your purpose. We couldn't fulfill it until we met Christ. But now, man, we we have that new spirit. Now we're able to do it. And I love how the Amplified brings this out. Notice this. It says that we may do those, uh, or it says recreating Christ Jesus, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand. That's just the purpose, what we do for him and his kingdom. For us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time. Uh, he's already got it planned out, what you're called to do, right? Whether it's for your local church or it's a parachurch organization. It goes on to say that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. And guys, I'm going to say something that's really important. Listen close. Um, God wants to bless your natural life. He doesn't care if you're blessed, and he wants to bless you. And But that's not what this is talking about. The good life is when you get in that groove and you're doing what God created you to do and you're doing what God made you to do. That is an amazing place. That's where joy comes. It's absolutely amazing. And we have hundreds of people here at Believers in Borman and Warren. They're in their groove. They're right where they belong, right in that groove. And they are happy. They feel fulfilled. And whether they like their day job or they don't, it doesn't matter. So many of them say, man, I wish I could do this full time for you, God, right? Because this is where I feel energy. This is where I feel good, just doing what you created me to do. And they do it as a volunteer, but it's an amazing thing. But you can't do it till you meet Jesus. So guys, your purpose came into this world with you, and you have incredible significance. It's amazing significance. And then I like this. You ready? Our purpose is discovered when we make Jesus our purpose. And there just needs to come a time in all of our lives where we say, Jesus Thank you for saving me. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for taking my punishment. Thank you for giving me heaven as a future home. But Jesus, I want to seek your kingdom and make that the most important thing in my life. And there's something amazing that happens. And that's when things begin to be revealed. And there's something in the Bible called a bond servant. The New Testament talks about it. It's in the Old Testament. It's like a type and shadow in the Old Testament. It's a beautiful thing. So I want to read a scripture to you. Deuteronomy 15, uh, verse 12. And in And if any of your people, Hebrew men or women, so he's writing to the Jews, sell themselves to you and serve uh, you six years, in the seventh year you must let them go free. So let me explain this to you. Uh, They didn't have bankruptcy laws and things like that back then. So if someone was indebted and they had great debt and they couldn't pay it back, they could go into servitude. This is not slavery like we had in our country. Do you know the Bible's against that kind of slavery? The Bible says that you are not allowed to kidnap anybody and make them a slave. And if a Jew did that, they were to be stoned. God was 100% against that. This is not that. This is just someone saying, hey, I can't pay you off. 
what, what do you say? I, I serve you uh, for six years and we pay that debt off, right? And they lived in a nice place. The person provided them a nice place. They fed them. They treated them like gold. So it's not what you and I might think of when we think of that. They just worked off their debt. But God said, I only want it to go six years and I want you to set them free. And listen to verse 13. And, and when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. So he's saying, remember guys, you were real slaves. You were terrible slaves. You were stolen slaves in Egypt, right? He says, but remember when I released you, I said, knock on everybody's door. And, and when you did, they gave you all their gold and silver. And he said, I sent you out of there hundreds of years. I sent you out blessed. But he's saying, guys, I want you to treat these guys like gold. And so they were friends with the guy that they were in servitude to. They lived a great life. Here's how good it was. Listen to this, verse 16. But if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave because he loves you and your family and is well off with you. So they took care of him, right? Then take an awl and push it through the earlobe into the door and he will become your servant for life. Do the same for your female servant. This is called a bod servant. So uh, I could see it. I was trying to think of scenarios, right? It's like, well, I went bankrupt three times. I, I seem to not be able to run my life real well. So man, you are great. Your wife's great. You're feeding me incredible meals. You give us a great place to live. You treat our kids like gold. You guys, you're just awesome. Can I just keep serving you? And God said, if they want to do that, you can do that with them. And they became a bond servant. But guys, the parallel, the reason I'm weaving this is the parallel in the New Testament. It is an amazing parallel because when you and I accepted Christ, what did he do? He delivered us out of the enemy's kingdom. He brought us into the kingdom of his light. He set us free. You know what he did? He, he calls you sons and he calls you daughter. You're a child of God. You're seated in heavenly places in that unseen realm with Christ. He, he's given you heaven. You can't work your way to, to heaven. You're going to go to heaven. You know, I've heard people say, man, I, I'm working for God. I'm working for the kingdom because I, I don't want to live in a shack in heaven. And I'm like, well, listen, it's heaven. You can sleep outside. There's no bugs. There's, there's no snakes. The weather's perfect. There's no rain. There's no storms. There's no tornadoes. I mean, it's heaven. You can sleep right at the lake and no bug's going to crawl on you. Nothing's going to happen. I, I mean, who needs a mansion when you think about that, right? So it's not this works mentality. Guys, you were saved by the grace of God, but it's this mentality. God, you were so good to me. You treated me so good. You know what? You saved me. You delivered me. You gifted me. You gave me a purpose. I want to become a servant of yours. And that's called a bond servant, just like they did it back in the Old Testament. That's what you and I do. And it's the most amazing place ever. Listen to a couple of New Testament scriptures. Uh, Romans 1.1, Paul, a bond servant. Listen, we, we, you know, now we're, we're told to address ourselves with all these different pronouns. And I just tell people, I will offend you because I'm old and I will forget. So don't, don't even worry. I'm a, an offense waiting to happen. You, I'm just old, and, and no matter what you tell me, I'm going to mess it up. So, and, and you can ask my staff. They'll tell you. I will mess it up. So I'm just an old guy that forgets everything. Uh, as far as what's right, what's right, what's politically correct, I don't know. It changes every week. I have no idea what's politically correct. But, but, but here's something we should say. When we introduce ourselves, we should say, look, the first thing he's saying, I'm a bond servant. What does that mean? 
man, Jesus set me free. He gave me heaven as a home. I go to heaven because uh, he, he saved me. He took my punishment. I'm a child of God, but I've chosen to become a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, that is a big deal. And then he went on and said, and then I figured out my calling. Paul didn't start out as an apostle. He just said, where can I help, right? And, and, he, and he just began to help. Peter does the same thing. Look at the first part of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant. What do these guys understand? They said, you know what? We know we're free. We know what you did for us, God. We're so thankful. But now we want to become a servant of yours. And this is what they taught you and I to do, other Christians to do. And this is where I have found in my life the most freedom. I'm amazed at the hundreds of volunteers we have here and the dream teamers and the people that help with special events. I'm amazed at the joy they had. I arrived here this morning at 645. I woke up at 445 and, 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 and I began to get ready, began to pray a little bit. And, and then I get here at 645 and I always... Uh, I always park on the south corner because after nine o'clock service, I get in my car and I drive over to the traditional chapel because, you know, if it's raining, I don't want to get wet and I need, really needed my car today. But then I walked in the building. I usually walk around the outside, but I walked in here because uh, it was raining and I see Greg. Greg's one of our volunteers and, and Greg Rowley is an amazing guy. So I'm at, here at 645 and he's here. And, and, and I thanked him. He, you know what he does? He goes around the whole building and he turns on every light, puts the cones outside, op- unlocks every door. He just opens the place. And I think he misses twice a week, uh, twice a year when he's uh, on vacation. But he's just here. But I never saw anyone happier. He's amazing. He is so happy. And I said this morning, what time you get here? Because I knew what I was preaching. I just wanted to know what time he got here because I wanted to talk about him. And, and guys, listen, listen to this. He said, I get here at six. I'm like, whoa, and you're so happy. You're happy. You're one of the happiest people I've ever seen. And yeah, because he hooked up with a God-given purpose. He said, God, how, how can you use me? How do you want to use me? And it's amazing. We have hundreds of people like that. Guys in Borman here in Warren TCI. Can we give it up for all of our dream teamers? Thank you, man. Thank you for what you do. Thank you so much. But guys, some of you are here, and it's like, yeah, God gave you a purpose too. There's something he wants you to do. And I know we're all in different stages and we, some stages we can't do as much, whatever. Guys, I get it, I get it, I get it. But man, all God wants you to do, this is all you have to do, is have that moment where you say, God, I realize I'm a child. I realize I don't have to do anything. I realize I'm going to heaven. Even if I sleep outside, it's, it's really nice out there. And, and God, but you know what, God? I wanna serve you. I just wanna surrender my life and become a servant to you, Lord God. And then God will begin to use you. But you know what comes with that surrender? It's just, God, what do you want me to do? You just find out, what do you want you to do? And then you get into your church, it's like, what do you, where, you, where you guys have needs? And then you just meet needs. And then, uh, you know, you go through growth track here, and you sign up for growth track, you go through, and they'll show you all the, at the end, they'll interview you, they'll say, hey, here's where all the needs are. And you say, okay, yeah. It wasn't that sophisticated when I became a Christian. So I, I, I get to my church, and I went to this smaller church, but it was like ours, and, and I just wanted to be there every service. And they did three services a week. Uh, you know, they did a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then they did a Wednesday night. You know, and it's like, I was in every one, right? And I love the worship, and I love the pastor preaching. You know what else I love? I, I love just saying hi to everybody and getting to know the body of Christ. And I remember I'm there about a month or something, and this girl walks up to me after service, and she says, hey, I teach the junior high Sunday school. Sunday school was before church. That was their connect groups of that day. And she said, could you help me? I need another. I need someone else to teach. I'm teaching every week. And I said, well, I never taught, but you know what? I'll give it a try. I didn't know I was called into ministry. And so I did it, and I had all this joy. And then I was in service a little bit later, uh, I don't know, a month or so later, and I'm in Sunday 
service and the pastor says, we need some people to help in the children's ministry. We need somebody. And one of the rooms was the toddler's room. And, and I thought, well, I don't really like kids. I was only 20. I didn't like kids at the time. And I thought, I'll probably mess these kids up for life. Don't need counseling. But I said, I'll help. I'll help. I'll help. And I went up and told the pastor, I said, now, I said, I have very little patience. Um, I'm a perfectionist, and I probably, I don't like noise. And uh, I, I said, but I'll help. He said, we have a professional in there. Don't worry. They'll teach you exactly what to do. You just need to help. And guys, I had the most joy, even though I don't like kids. Uh, at that time, I love them now, by the way. Uh, I adore kids. I have grandkids. I love my kids. I love your kids. I love everybody's kids. But back then, 20 years old, you don't... I never had a kid. I was a kid. They just make a lot of noise. They run around. They're crazy, right? And so, but I said, I'll help. And I had the most joy. God, and all I did is I just stepped in. I just stepped in. And I remember going to Bible school. And now I'm kind of feeling a call on my life. And we had to pick a church. And there were three churches. So my brother Tony and I said, let's go to three churches. But Tony only went to one because the first church we went to, he saw his current wife. And he said, Joe, I'm going to marry that girl. I said, Tony, you don't even know her. And she's one of our instructors at Bible school. Are you crazy? He said, Joe, this is my my church. So he picked this church because he saw a girl that was pretty that he wanted, right? And he's now married to her. Well, I picked my church for a different reason. Gina wasn't even there, but she came a year later. But I picked my church because I just felt this is where God wants me. And so I go to the young adult thing. I'm, I'm thinking, I've got to meet some people. I go to the young adult. And that, that, that first one I went to, the young adult pastor is stepping down. And uh, he's coming back to Cuyahoga Falls. His name's John Rossissi. He still pastors there. He's coming back to Cuyahoga Falls. And so afterwards, the, the associate pastor that was there, he comes up to me and says, you know, we, we need someone else to take his place. Would you like to do it? He just met me. It's like, I said, I'll give it a shot. He knew I was in Bible school. I said, I'll give it a shot. And, and so then I did that. And I had a, a girl. I co-did it with a girl named Stephanie. And, and I did it. And, and, and it's, it, it was just amazing. It just gave me joy. I just found something to do when I did it. What am I saying, guys? God created you for something. And sometimes you're not going to know. It's like a guided missile. You know, you can't guide it when it's sitting down. But takes off and God will show you and he'll give you direction. And so I want to have a holy moment right now uh, because there are others of you, man, that God wants to show you your purpose. He wants you to come into this bond-servant relationship with him. It's an amazing place. Just that alone gives you incredible joy. So can we bow our heads? Can we close our eyes? Let's pray. Father, I, I did my best to teach this incredible part of the word of, word of God. And I thank you for... I'm standing, Lord, in front of people. Uh, people are looking at me in Borman, TCI, online, and here in this room. And Lord... They're the most impressive people on planet Earth. You created their spirit. You created them for a purpose, a God purpose, Lord God. And so, Lord, we bow our heads, and here's, here's all we're doing right now. We're saying, Lord, I make myself a bondservant. I say my time isn't mine. My schedule isn't mine. Lord, I submit my life to you, and I say I want to seek your kingdom. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Peter. And Lord, I want to say, I'm here to serve you. That's just the first step. And then you'll read the Bible and God will say, do this, do that. And you just begin to do it. You say, God, I just want to help. Anything I can help. Uh, this church, Lord, is my church, Lord. I'm part of this body. What can I do, Lord, in Borman, in Warren, at TCI? What can I do, Lord, to help you in what you're you're, you want done in your kingdom, Lord, so we can see a city connected with God. Can we have that holy moment? You, out of your own heart, just say, Lord, 
I see myself as a bondservant. And as you're doing that, I just want to say, I have to do this a couple times a year because this world keeps pulling me. It's just pulling me. And I have to say, no, Lord, I recommit. I'm a bondservant like Peter. I'm a bondservant like Paul, like all the Christians in the Bible. And as you're doing that, man, I just want to have that holy moment. Say, God, show me my purpose. Make me aware of it, Lord God. And he will. He will. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Some of you, God's dealing with you. Hey, you've accepted me, and that's great, but you need to take even the first step of discipleship and be water baptized. I want you to be water baptized. And don't worry about, you know, you have to say, God, you know, God, I don't want my shirt to get wet. I don't like, I want to lose another 10 pounds before I do that, or my hair is thinning out, whatever, guys. Just say, God, I'll obey you. Sign up. We have a baptism next week. Sign up for the next water baptism. Just say, God, I'm going to obey you. Man, that's one of the things God wants all of us to do. Say, I was baptized as a baby. That's awesome. Keep the certificate. But now that you know what you did, recommit and obey God and be baptized. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Guys, this is a fun and holy moment in God's. Some very powerful things are happening. People are connecting with their destiny. It's an amazing thing. The very reason God created them. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter where you're at in life, how old you are. God has holy plans for you. He does. So can we stay in this attitude of prayer? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're listening and you're not sure of your forever. You know, Jesus recreates that spirit. You're not sure of your re forever. Your, your forever. And uh, guys, that's why Jesus died. He died so you can live. And with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're listening to me, you say, Pastor Joe, I believe Jesus is the Christ. My heart's been touched. But I can't remember a day when I prayed and said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. You might have grown up in church. You might be a member of a church. You might have been water baptized as a baby or an adult. But you say, I can't remember that moment when I said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. I accept you as my Savior. If you're listening, you say, that's me. Why not today? Why not make it that moment? Then God will recreate you. And all these gifts and abilities and purpose will be able to come out of your life. It's absolutely amazing. So if you're listening, you say, that's me. Would you pray with me right now in Boardman here in Warren, um, online, TCI? And the rest of us, can we help them pray? Just say this. If you're saying it for the first time, simply mean it. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained and I need a Savior. This day, I repent of my sins and I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died for the sins of the whole world. God raised you out of that grave. I accept you today as my savior and make a decision to follow you. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.